A child's imagination is the most powerful thing on this planet. I've always believed this, and I've always encouraged kids, especially my nephew, to pursue and delve into his artistic side. Sometimes it can be difficult, even for adults, to describe or draw what they're feeling on the inside, what they're seeing in their mind's eye. Even though his shaky, fresh hands can yield goofy results, I never put him down or laugh at his attempts to bring the creatures in his mind to life. He'll only get better. The things these little guys can bring into the world are unbelievable, endlessly creative and infinitely valuable. At times, it can be frustrating, believe me, when we're working on math problems or other schoolwork, as he seems to be lost in his thoughts, my nephew, Kit, had become totally invested in art, in drawing and painting, since I had introduced it to him at such a young age. I was basically a parent to Kit at this point, just him and I in my apartment since his parents passed away two years ago. He was four at the time when my sister, my poor sister, a stupid husband drove into a telephone call in a drunken rage. They both died instantly. The tiny Honda my parents had alone them caught fire and was a smoking heap by the time authorities had arrived. It's been a long three years, a long three years of both joy and sorrow. I raised their child as my own. It was a great blessing to see my sister in Kit, to see her eyes and her smile to some extent, though on the bad days it could be just as much of a curse, nearly bringing me to tears, making me want to curse the world for taking her far too early. But I love Kit, always have and always will, though my love has been tested to its very limits recently and not in the way you might think, no. He hasn't been overly difficult to deal with or anything even remotely close to what one might think of as a bad behavior as far as a 7 year old goes. I just wanted to preface this story by letting you, dear reader, know that my nephew isn't a bad person. He simply let his imagination get the best of him, happens to the best of us as far as I'm concerned. The events I'm going to tell you about all began to unfold one week ago to this day. Although the situation has been dealt with, to the best of my knowledge, I believe it's only fair to inform you of the ramifications of allowing a child to explore the deepest depth of their imagination. This story, whether you want to believe me or not, is completely truthful in all of its outrageousness. In all of its horror, if you are faint of heart, I beg you not to read on. If you are laying alone in bed with the curtains down and the lights out, then please be prepared to feel watched. Whatever it was that afflicted us still lives on, somewhere, watching. As I said, it all began a week ago. It was a dearly rainy Tuesday afternoon. I sat and typed away at my laptop, mindless work for an office that sat a few states lower. Work from home had been a blessing, no need to pay babysitters, but I was here all day anyways. 
Keith had just gotten home from school about an hour ago and was sitting at the kitchen table with me, drawing on a large pad of paper. Occasionally, he'd stop to ask me what my favorite drawing of his was or to ask me what I was doing. I didn't mind his questions. Sometimes it broke up the monotony of my work, though it could get a bit distracting. You know, I have something cool you could draw for me. I told him, I wish I had never gotten that idea, or at the very least, had never shared it with him. He peered up from the mess of his scribbles which lettered the page, and furrowed his brow. What? he asked, giggling a bit. You see, I've always been a fan of all things horror related. Those old, campy movies like Halloween and Friday the 13th were some of my favorites. Kit wasn't into them like I was. He'd usually hide under a blanket on the couch or go to bed early when I was putting something like that on the TV. Draw me the scariest thing you can imagine, I said, grinning at him. Truthfully, I wasn't expecting him to turn his nose up to the idea. I was surprised that he agreed. After a long while of wringing his hands and rubbing his temples, he finally put the pencil to the pad and began his endure. It was a bit unnerving, in a way, how he seemed afraid of whatever creature he might conjure up and bring to life. It seemed cute at the time, while looking back, that should have been my first sign. The next 20 minutes or so went by slowly, as you'd expect when working on spreadsheets. Kit raised the pencil up brushed the page free of any razor shavings, and turned the pad to me to see. I turned my attention from the bright computer screen to my nephew's creation, which took a moment for the details to sink into my foggy brain. I was taken aback by how well drawn it was, amongst all the scribbles and half-finished drawings, which seemed to shroud the being in a sort of shadow was the creature that he'd eventually name Grunkus. Its body was like a massive heap of melted wax, a slit, or rather a mouth, running along the length of the torso, open just enough for two long, stripped arms to poke out from. A pair of huge, foggy eyes sat on either side of its mouth, most likely because its real head had no eyes. The longer I looked at it, soaking in the details, the more unease seemed to wash over me. I peered up at my nephew who seemed to share the same sentiment. His expression was like he had been caught doing something he shouldn't have been doing. His face almost seemed drained of its color. I looked back down at his drawing, studying it further. From the top of the waxy pile emerged a long, spindly neck attached to an oversized head. Its head was triangular in shape, like it had been smashed in different spots. Its face had two black holes for eyes and a thin smell which ran from one side of its face to the other. The creature's lips were soon together, long strands of patchy hair laid in sleek pack piles on its head, accompanied by a devilish 
pointy beard, protruding from the chin, oddly creative and oddly terrifying, especially coming from my young nephew. What's this, buddy? I asked hesitantly. He beat at his lips and tapped on the table lightly in light. Successive patterns, the color had yet to return to his face, which exacerbated the anxiety he seemed to be giving off. I set my hand on his shoulder, which seemed to snap him out of whatever trance he was in. He peered up at me. He's creepy, was all Kate could manage. I smiled at him and squeezed his shoulder, hoping to ease his anxiety. He looks like a melted candle. I like him, I said, peering down at the creepy illustration before me. Kitty smiled back, the dark cloud looming over the room seemingly dissipated a bit. What's his name? I asked. Another question I wish I hadn't asked. A new wave of anxiety seemed to set over my nephew, which put me on edge. I don't know if I should say, he replied. Dread seemed to flood through my veins at his response, causing my heart to pound. Why shouldn't he say? Is he seeing or feeling something that I'm not? No. No, this is ridiculous. I'm playing into his imagination way too much. At least, that's what I thought at the time. Oh, come on, I said, before questioning him further. What's the harm? I chuckled, albeit nervously. Kit took a little time to reply, his eyes burning into mine with deadly seriousness. You wouldn't like it, Kit blurted out. That caught me off guard. Was this some sort of game? Well, like I said before, Kitty scares easily. A child's imagination is so strong, so powerful that it can rule over their real life. It's just a drawing, buddy. It can't hurt you, even if it could. You know I'm here to protect you, I said while jokingly flexing my bicep. I'm not the biggest guy in the world, or even the neighborhood for that matter. But it made me happy knowing Kit felt safe around me. He rolled his eyes and laughed at me. His name is Grunku. A crash accompanied by the sound of a glass breaking emanates from the living room, drawing my nephew's voice out. The house went deadly silent. Alarmingly quiet, my nephew looked up at me and whimpered, his eyes the size of saucers. While I went into the living room to see what had happened, to find that it was just a painting that fell from the wall, I could have never imagined that it was just the beginning of my week from hell. The rest of that night went by relatively smoothly. I made dinner for myself and kid, eager to keep his mind off the drawing. He watched some TV, some cartoons as he requested, until he fell asleep. I carried him from the couch to the bed in his room, tucking him in for the night. I stood up from his bed, a chill running down my spine, as though I were being watched. I looked all around his room and noticed the closet door was a slightly ajar, which isn't unusual, though I could have sworn. It was shut when I walked in. I stepped once, twice, then three times with supreme caution, before deciding to use a flashlight on my phone to illuminate my path. 
I saw a squeeze beneath my foot as I shuffled further, causing my heart to drop down into my stomach. Come on, Dustin, you're acting ridiculous, I thought. Straightening my back and walking with authority towards the closet door, the light from my phone flooded into the closet, revealing a heap of dirty laundry suffocating the basket. I peered upward at the shelf, and that's when I saw when I saw it for the first time. Even though it had deep, empty sockets where its eyes should have been, I could feel its gaze borrowing itself into my being. Its dark eyes were even more prominent against the pasty, pale skin which was pulled tight around its skull. I blinked once and it was still there. I blinked twice and knew this specter was very much real. I let out a whimper and then a scream as it smiled at me. The stitches fusing its mouth together pulling violently, tearing the skin. It was just above a whisper, its voice dry and rough like a desert. Everything went dark, like a blink. I opened my eyes once more in my bed, thin silvers of light cascaded over the covers of my bed, the morning sunlight beginning to be allowed in. I sat up in my bed, the air felt cold against my clammy, sweaty skin. That felt too real to be just a dream. I looked over at the nightstand, my phone sitting perfectly in the middle of it. Odd. The clock on my phone read 11.30pm, which is extremely late for me. My guts felt all twisted and knotted up, trying to digest the six dreams I had endured. Hopping up from my bed, I had to check on Kit to convince myself, to convince myself that whatever I had seen last night wasn't real. I ran out from my room and down the hall. Kit's door opened at the other end of the hallway, just where it had been since he moved in with me. I threw the door open, stopping in my tracks to find that the door led to a closet, a barren closet, nothing but a couple of navy blue shirts hanging off the side. None of it made sense. I ran from door to door in my house with no avail. Kit wasn't here. It's like he never was. I ran back to my room and made a beeline for my phone. I had to have answers. I picked up the device and it responded immediately, showing only one notification, a text from my sister. I felt dizzy and sick, nearly on the verge of some sort of mental break, like I was on an elevator, falling uncontrollably, impossibly deep. Her name was right there on my phone, as it had frequently been before she, well I think before she died, no, she definitely died, Holly, it read above her text, I felt sick. The message was innocent enough. Hey, are you still watching it today? I wanted to call her and scream into the phone. To scream at her. A scream at whatever the hell horrible prank this had to be. I've been watching it every day since you died. 
is what I really wanted to yell, but I began feeling so unsure of myself, as though these last few years have been an awful prolonged fever dream. I mean, shit like this happens, living a life in a dream, it's just not supposed to happen to me. I responded simply, yeah, bring him whenever. I'm glad I could masquerade behind the text message, hide how confused and scared I really felt. My entire body shook and screamed at me that something was horribly off. Despite this, I continued on like it was any other day, maybe it was some sort of shock response, but I continued on to my office to log in for work. After a while, I had gained some amount of composure, brewing a pot of coffee and beginning a fresh batch of spreadsheets. I couldn't help but flinch every time I noticed a certain coffee mug that was seemingly out of place, or a chair that sat just a little too far from the kitchen table. I had bought two of everything for kids and I, I'm pretty sure I did, at least two sets of silverware, two sets of bowls, two sets of everything, but they were just all gone, the house felt terribly empty, I decided I was going to confront my sister whenever she arrived, whether that lands me in a mental hospital or one of the circles of hell, I just had to figure out what was going on, too many things were just wrong, most of them I could brush off, but even the name of the company I worked for was completely different than I remember. I mean, how does Sherman SSC become Jeems Shipping Co? I mean, that and kid was gone. The kid I've spent every day of my life with for the last three years. I peered down at the coffee mug, sitting precariously by my keyboard. The mug itself was filled nearly to the brim the brown liquid dangerously close to spilling over. I brought the mic to my nose and inhaled deeply, the intoxicating aroma providing a momentary relief. I took a sip and spit it out almost immediately. The taste was like nothing else, absolutely wild. I looked back down at the mug and shouldn't have been as surprised as I was to find my coffee turned into black tar-like substance. What the hell? No, this is ridiculous. I yelled out to nobody. I stood up from my seat and half walked, half ran to my car. I don't really know where I was planning to go, but I knew I had to get the hell away from my apartment. I made it to the kitchen and maybe just a whisper of my finger had touched my keys when the most incredible feeling took hold of me. It was like the best high one could imagine, as though I was both drunk from the finest alcohol anyone could offer, while also being in the midst of a satisfying mushroom trip. It was the type of high where you felt warm and cozy, like you could hug and hug a chair, and feel the love radiating back off of it. All the pain, worry and doubt fled away, as though they were miles behind me in the rear view, one a small part of my brain, the deepest little bit, way in the back of my skull, was it still screaming at me, telling me it was all a facade. Get away! 
it seemed he was saying. No, no, I think I'll stay. In my drunken, drug-induced state, I decided my best course of action was to take a bath. You know, always the best choice when you can barely walk or function whatsoever. I'm not entirely sure how I got to my bath, or if I even drew any water. But when I got in, it felt as though my being was consumed by warm honey, absolute bliss, pure nirvana. If I had closed my eyes for any longer than a second, I'd surely fell asleep. Each time, I lazily opened my eyes. The tub seemed to fill more and more with the very same tar-like substance from earlier. I couldn't move. I didn't want to move. It felt so good. I slowly shifted my gaze over to the side of the tub. The black plasma snaking its way up over to the edge and out of the bathroom from the underneath of the door. I can't tell you what it was that compelled me to follow the slime trail or how it gave me the strength to hoist myself from the tub and pursue it. But whatever it was, wanted me to find it. My steps were lackadaisical and uncoordinated, sheer curiosity pulling me forward. If it wasn't for the substance which had intoxicated me earlier, which at this point had consumed me even further, I most likely would have dropped dead of a heart attack at the creature standing in my living room. It was Grunkus, exactly as my nephew had drawn it the day prior. Except now, it stood there, as real as you and I. It pulled me closer, thousands of whispers and promises of love, of warmth, of acceptance, filled my ears. I drew myself into the wax-like body of the beast, sinking a couple of inches into the warmth goo. My mind, my body, were in complete euphoria. I felt one with it, one with its love, with its mind. I smashed my face into the sludgy body of Grunkus, licking and slurping up the delicious juice it was excreted. Its long neck craned down towards me, and I could feel its breath escaping through its soon up lips, its warm, sweet breath. Wake up, Dusty Wesley, it said, its voice deeper and more full this time around. Just as I had before, when I saw it in the closet for the first time, I awoke in a cold sweat, this time fully aware and bound to a folding chair. My vision was incredibly blurry, as though I were a newborn using them for the first time. Though I could make out two figures sitting next to me, and one massive heap lying before me. Oh, Dusty! I recognized the voice immediately. It was Holly my long dead sister, or so I thought. As time went on, and my vision began to clear up more, I could make out Holly and Kit sitting next to me. Kit looked petrified, his eyes huge and teary. The person who sounded like my sister smiled at me with the devilish delight. As I said, it sounded like her, but I knew it wasn't her. After looking more closely, everything about the woman sitting next to me was off. Her eyes were sloppy and off-centered, 
her nose much too large and hooked to be holly. But the most telling thing was the huge black pits where her eyes should have been. Tonight, Dusty, you and the little kids will be joining us. Don't you dare touch him. I screamed back. I'll kill you. I yelled perpetually until my vocal cords were torn up and shut. My anger intensified as the woman seemed to try and stifle her laughter at my attempts to get free. Kit brought his knees to his chest and had his eyes smashed shut, repeating over and over the same phrase, as though he was resigned to his fate. I want you, mommy. Please help us. Mommy, please. He kept saying, She can't help you. You're all my... A blinded flash of blue light burst through the chest of the wicked woman sitting next to me. In an instant, she crumpled to the floor into a pile of dust. As the light began to dissipate, it revealed the outline of another person. Holly, the real Holly, my sister. As I've said before multiple times, a child's imagination is the most powerful thing on the planet. It can be the most wicked thing and the most beautiful thing, wicked in that it could bring a fiction or horror creation to life, beautiful in that it could bring my beloved sister back to save us. Another blue glow began to pull at the base of Grunko's waxy body, growing in its strength. The wretched creature groaned and screamed in agony. If I can kill you once, I'll do it again, you vile shit. It yelled nearly engulfed in the blue light, much like the woman had moments before, the Grunkus melted to the floor and turned to ashes. I wish I could tell you more, I wish I could say that the nightmare is over, though I'd be lying, I never got to see the woman in blue, but I'm completely certain that it was my sister. It's going to take months, years, maybe a lifetime of concealing for both Kit and I to return to normal, but we have each other again, and that's the most important thing to me. It's interesting, but the Grunk was set before collapsing into nothingness. I killed you once, I'll kill you again, I recall it saying, but I have a feeling that the Grunk isn't entirely made up. Something tells me it's based on my late brother-in-law.